Oh my god. Podcast. It's March 15th, 2010, and this is the Idle Thumbs Conf Grenade for GDC 2010. And I'm Chris Remo. I'm Steve Gaynor. And I'm Jake Rodkin. And we're joined today by Sean Vanneman. Sean Famous Vanneman. Hey, yo. Hey, guys. What's, What's up, up Famous? Not too much. How's it going, Steve? And <laughs> company? Good. Yeah, it's good. Steve and company is the new name for this podcast. <laughs> Steve and Co. Inc. Yeah. Uh, it was good being at the old conf with you guys today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Why don't you quickly uh, say who you are real quick? I mean, you work Uh-oh. with Jake. I work with Jake at Telltale. I'm a designer and a writer. And uh, that's what I do. A designer and a marketer? And a writer. My, oh. my, my, this is com- this is comp voice. This is <laughs> this is three days of just... And it's gone. And there's nothing left. <clears throat> so it's a good time to record a podcast <laughs> when you don't have a voice. But yeah. 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 So yeah, you, you write and make the video games. You write the jokes. Yeah, they're jokes and I make them. Cool. With Jake and yeah. other guys. Sit around. Nice. Drink a lot of Diet Coke. I, you play video games all day probably and... Yeah, pretty much. Get paid to do that. Yeah, we just tighten up the graphics and... Move on. Yeah. What level? I'm sure the number of times now that a developer has shown up on a podcast and they've been accused of tightening up the graphics is probably disgustingly high. <laughs> oh, well, he like, just did it. Yeah, I, I, know. Accused oh, I was just trying to cut that one off at the pass. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, welcome to the cast. It's your first time. Well, thanks for thing. having me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got a famous dude here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, buddy. So how about that Phaedrus? We just, uh, the last thing that that happened today was a uh, secret, um, well, sort of allegedly secret panel by a unnamed speaker. Yeah, right. (laughs) Increasingly less secret presenter going by the name Phaedrus, a, uh, I guess a uh, A Greek fabulist. (laughs) <laughs> who, uh, a fabulous. Do you want to define the word fabulist? Because I, I like don't actually know someone who writes fables. Fabrous. Oh, okay. That's like cool. Aesop was a fabulous. Oh, all right. Mm. Um, I actually didn't know that. I didn't now know you've that learned something on the Idle Thumbs podcast. On Stephen Company. Well, well this is Stephen Company. This is edutainment. It is. Um, but yeah, so it was it was Will Wright, and he did a Will Wright. So he basically yeah. spent an hour being yeah. awesome. And just, melting he, your brain. Yeah, well, he just I mean, injected a small portion of his brain into all of our brains right. at the same time. It was a large per- portion. It was a, it was an ultra dump. Just like mainlined as <laughs> hard ultra, as possible. Yeah. Uh, Will Wright took an ultra dump into our brains. Into your brain mind. Well, and he had, yeah. you know, it was sort of a lofty but vague title or just the metaphysics of game design. Right. Which means which, which nothing. Call, which calls back, though, to when he announced but, Spore under yeah. the title the future of content yeah I <laughs> that, really that title also reveals that that phaedrus was either going to be a pretentious indie douche or will <laughs> oh, right there is no yeah. no i mean like when you see the metaphysics of game design phaedrus right. it's like <laughs> yeah, oh right. this is gonna be a guy with yeah. a turntable it's up gonna be there, a guy like, who actually <laughs> goes by phaedrus for real right yeah or it's gonna or be, it's will, gonna be will right yeah. yeah phaedrus of phaedrus games yeah. <laughs> right oh. that was an impressive talk though it, it was because it was like 120 degrees in there, and everybody was. That was the heat of everyone's brains getting one melting? step from, yeah. from yeah. catching fire. eggs, yeah. eggs on top of heads bubbling. Yeah, yeah. you've yeah. never seen a Will Wright GDC. No, right that was the first one. Yeah, your and mind is opened. Days of no sleep and being on your feet, and then the man, the man, the fact that that guy was able to keep my attention for a was whole... it was it just like amazing information coming through a haze of 
just like wafting into your brain. Well, every part of me wanted to be asleep. That was the whole thing. Except Except for your brain. Part of me wanted to shut down. Except Except for your brain. Orange, your your brain, your face awake. Totally, because there was like a rhythm to his slides, where it's just genius, 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 genius. Does anyone remember what he actually talked about, or did he just sort of like make us all lift two inches off of our chairs? And then GDC was the general theme was was you know. Games? Many entertainment media and the sort of theoretical like divergence and convergence that is sort of simultaneously happening in the, I mean, God, I don't know how to fucking summarize. But then it, boils but that all the way down to evolution, like in the. I missed the last like five or ten minutes. Oh yeah, oh. I don't know if he boiled if he boiled it. He, did, uh, he, on, he but... just the 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 mine car just kept barreling down the tracks, and right. then he did kind of go back to you know like, uh, I, what the, he kind of wrapped it up at the end, but it was also not. Like obviously, oh right, that's what all this has been about. It was it was pretty broad at the end as well. It was just him talking about awesome, all the awesome interconnectivity thoughts in his brain. Yeah, and yeah. Exposing it was the least useful summary for anyone listening. I just now tried to put myself in the position of someone listening to this podcast. It was not. Right, a, yeah, it was, you don't want to be one. No of those information people. is the, the sort of most material takeaway from that entire thing. I think was when he had. Um, the the percentage of revenue of of all the different distribution channels of entertainment in general, oh, and then right. yes. graphed them by whether or not they're sort of like it was like passive or social and all that yeah. stuff, and yeah. then and then had the arrows showing which ones feed into other ones. That was, like, I, was I was actually surprised that sports was the number one thing sports along is the with biggest the internet. Revenue. Yeah, yeah. four hundred and forty billion dollar yeah. industry. Yeah. yeah. The, Makes sense. the example of like That's why athletes make so much like why movies even though movies was in the second tier actually of revenue generating entertainment mediums that movies the reason movies are perceived as so big is because movies feed out into all the other ones like yeah, the, right, the way right. that that graph drew where he just wrote Lion King over the word movies then had it just be like well that also means games music plays theater like yeah television yeah. like four hundred thousand arrows all flew out of right. movies yeah and that doesn't work for everything yeah I mean he was yeah, yeah he, he was mostly I think I mean I felt like he was trying to encourage people to you know in their own work think differently about the actual media artifacts they create but also like how constrained they are by the platform they're on and think about you know like when you make games i think you can tend to to kind of narrow yourself down into thinking oh games are only this thing right you You think of that one single tunnel stretching back 40 years or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. and he was like you know all entertainment mediums are different things on different platforms and you know think about everything from finding an extremely specific niche and working towards it with your own like games, the which 8, could be... german horse games <laughs> yeah yeah um, one of which i believe merrick worked on merrick bronstring is on a couch bronstring yeah. merrick bronstring is in this room with us observing yeah Hi. thinking about the horse game say that louder say yell it Hi. that's him oh. that's that's bm bronstring <laughs> yeah uh I thought the talk was also like incredibly optimistic, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, even though he was talking about humanity becoming a hive mind, <laughs> yeah, but like there was still this sort of like this brand of like this like thread of optimism to the whole thing. Which it, it, he did kind of leave a little fart on that at the very end. Yeah, though, where it was like know? also everything's ruined and we're all becoming a horrible hive mind. Flippant joke. The end. Like, yeah, you know, that was. Kind it was of weird whole... though because I feel like. I didn't really, did you really think that he was going towards dystopian hive mind? No, I didn't get that at all. He specifically I didn't just, get that I impression. The whole talk I don't know. Was really I, thought, I thought like his last sentence sort of. Fully Flippantly implied that that was a potential outcome, and then he just closed the talk out, which I thought. Mm. Was well, cool. I, I, mean, I thought there were little laces of that throughout. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely. I, I, I felt like but it, it was. It wasn't really like a sort of you know 
massive it didn't seem like a horrible thing it just seemed to be like everyone could communicate with everyone else all the time instantly and so people are influenced by each other way more than they used to be you know just because of how media works now and communication yeah i feel like it could have very easily become like a pejorative like that that connection is bad and there would all this erodes into us being tapped into a yeah, like I mean, with a, with a, a cable in the back of our heads, but, but especially in lieu of like... I don't think that was what he was going No, I don't for, think that's though, what yeah. I was saying when it was optimistic, because yeah. I feel like... It's funny, because like in lieu of, I guess, that dice talk with the Jesse, Jesse Shell, yeah. where everything's so, like, everything's going to be fucked, you yeah. know? It's yeah. like, oh no. And no, then he that, comes around and says, you know, Facebook does have millions of users, and this graph is staggering, but it is going to behave yeah. like everything else, and it's okay. Yeah, I mean, that, like, that was that was what I liked about it, was that it was like a very broad and even-handed and like really you know smart talk is he was like i mean in all that that was that i mean that's what it made me feel like he was trying to get people to think about things more broadly and yeah. it was because it was like okay because th- there, there were a lot of sections to this talk he went really fast and one of them was like okay everybody's super focused on facebook right now because they think it's a you know a curve that's just going to continue going yeah, you up think but, of it as just a straight like exponential yeah, but actually rise. it's going to be an s curve that flattens out after this giant boom and you shouldn't just think there's this one thing, like there's all this other stuff simultaneously going on and there will be another thing that everybody thinks is one thing after Facebook and like chasing that is not necessarily going to be the most fruitful way for you to create whatever you want to create and communicate with the people that you're trying to reach, you know? So I don't know. I, I like to talk a lot. Me too. There well, was, there's I mean, a ton of content. Kind of, he started, in yeah, he started, I mean, he even brought, he even made the point of like Eastern versus Western way of thinking. And it's, it was kind of more of a, like, these are just observations and perspectives on all the sort of systems at play right now in our industry. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit up here and tell you it's the end of the world. Yeah. Like, it's just where we are. And it's exciting, actually. Yeah. And I thought it was, that was pleasant. Yeah. Like, that was such a nice note to end the, the, the conference on. Yeah. Good move on whoever organized GEC of having Will Wright be the last thing that happened. At oh, the that was my yeah. company. So was me. Well, I, well done. I yeah. was responsible Sweet, for all Chris. of it. Wait, yeah, I did thanks. the whole thing. I'm, I'm really top. proud of you, Chris. That was Thanks. Great. It yeah. was pretty easy. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> text uh, message. yeah it was it was it was good because like i don't know i maybe it was just me or maybe it was the conference but i felt like i was kind of losing steam over the course of gdc semi constantly and well, then saturday like saturday also was yeah saturday and then at the end at the very end it's like will Wright explode your brain yeah. <laughs> yeah and saves weird. saves your perception of the conference by exploding uh, at the very end, which was great. And my pace of the show is the exact. My my favorite talk was a t- one I went up to on Tuesday, which is Tuesday morning. Which oh is yeah, you went to the. Sort of, which talk was that? That was a Soren Johnson. Um, I missed that. Everyone said it was oh, good. Oh god, it was. I mean, and again, it's not because you sit there and you like, your mind is it? blown. I guess I am talking. About, yeah. Oh, all right. Go about it. Okay. Go for it. Famous. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, derail us from. No, right get now. famous. We, we have plenty to talk about. Super right. famous. Um, Soren Johnson's really famous. I mean, Civ Four. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. And it's not one of those things where you sit there and just agree with the guy. But um, what was the, the talk time. about? It was about how I mean, and it's a very it's it's a duh. Like when you describe it, you're like duh. But he would just it was just such a cogently put together. It was really nice. Um, it was about how the mechanics of your game define your theme and not the or define the meaning of your game, not the theme that you slap on your game. And he yeah. started off by talking about. Um, Ticket like, to Ride. The, the theme being like the fiction. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. the story that, that, or that's, whatever. That's terminology often used with board game design. Exactly. Like the theme is kind of the Which premise. Which is where he started. And yeah, then he got right. to risk and said like these mechanics like are risk taking because there's dice involved. and Or not dice. I mean, yeah, it's a dice game. Sorry. And um, it, you are constantly taking, you know, 
calculated risks. Like, and that is what that game is about. Yeah, and, and it would be about actually, that regardless of whether it says this is a global, you know, game right. of global domination. Right. It's still, yeah, the mechanics it mean it's about, about like bubblegum tycoons. Yeah, 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 it'd be the same. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And he, he brought up the inside of um, Ticket to Ride in the the note or the, in the oopsie, which is a, which is a board game about effectively building railroads across the country. Right. Or but is it the theme of well, that? Right. They in the the fiction of that world is written as. Uh, you are a rich dude in a parlor room and you have a bet with your buddies who can ride the most rails in seven days. Like, that's the story attached to that game inside the pamphlet in the box, which is clearly not what the mechanic... Yeah, it's um, not what the game feels like to yeah, play at if you all. Played exactly. it, if you played it without reading that, you'd be like, well, we're a bunch of railroad tycoons trying to build railroads. Yeah, and everybody the mechanics... That. You're trying to claim all the available land, essentially, yeah, yeah that's available. Well, like, that is... To, like, I mean, what am I even talking about? Never mind. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Sorry, <I> just, <laughs> you can be on the podcast. It's fine. I just I I played Metro a fair amount, which was a board game, and that is the actual premise, and that is the actual mechanic. Uh, that's all. Oh, you mean like trying oh. to ride rails? No, no. I mean that, in that game, oh, okay. you are trying to build the longest metro track under underground uh, below Paris. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't know why yeah. I'm talking about this right now. I just was reminded of it and started talking. Hi, I don't know. What's up, Jake? Video games. <laughs> yeah, it's you. Board yeah, games. it was a really good talk. I yeah. mean, he talked about what World of Warcraft is really about <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, well, what, is, what is it? Because I didn't see this talk. Oh, well, the mechanics of that. It's like, um, like he talked about, actually, he started with Spore. And he said, Spore is not about evolution. Spore is about creation and change. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. this is a game where the theme is sure evolution, but there's nothing about this right. game that's actually Yeah, evolution. the player is choosing every step of the way. Every stage, right. major stage, the player directs the so-called evolution, yeah. Whereas World of Warcraft is about evolution. Like, you start as just a paladin, and then you continually, like become more specialized based well, on your choice. But you ch yeah, but similarly you're still choosing. I mean, it's not like there's it's not like you're subject to the, you know, I mean, evolution is based on random chance. Yeah, you, you, it's it's not about World selection Warcraft is pressure, not. right? Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But and well, he's wrong, so that guy's <laughs> stupid now. <Not> that guy. <laughs> that was the worst talk, I guess. No, it was good. It was very good. And he's just uh nice and cohesive, which is yeah. good. I mean, he he talked about yeah, He's definitely a smart guy. He talked about the kind of stuff that like uh uh, sorry, uh, Clint Hawking and uh, John Blow have talked about just like you know the when a game is fighting against itself because it says it's one thing, but the mechanics right. really translate into something else, you know. And so I think that's what you mean by it, kind of feeling like, duh, like your game is about the rules of the game, not what you say it's about. But it's still not an obvious thing to a lot of people who make games. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, and it's nice to hear it really like well articulated and yeah. kind of sound important and like you actually well, should think about it and know? i think that someone like soren johnson is is better equipped to not better equipped but i think it's it's understandable why he would talk about that because that, mm. that that's a very common point of discussion among people who design board games and the types of games soren johnson's designs or that he particularly likes to talk about are turn-based games like civ and he talks a lot about asynchronous facebook games and those are games that are very obviously rule-based Unlike a first-person shooter or something, which is rule-based, but that's not what the player thinks about. Whereas when you play Civilization or you play a board game, the player is very, very conscious of the rules and the player is actively interacting with the rule set. And so it's very clear in the in games like that when the board when the designer of the game is saying this what it's this would this is what it's about, when that when there's a dissonance there between that and what the game evokes to you, it's it's very obvious. Whereas in a you know complicated 3D 
a world-based narrative game, you, you can fake a lot of that shit by just putting a really convincing presentation layer on it. And yeah. it's it's much harder to do that in a turn-based game of any kind or a board game. And, but the thing is, I think that that's really... I mean, I think it's easy, even f maybe especially for developers, to believe that's that's true. But I think that yeah, really no, no, play, players see through that. No, no, instantly, absolutely. I you know, because if saying, you yeah. if you put something yeah. in your game and put a shit ton of AV on it, that it's like let's make it look like it's super powerful, but it doesn't do enough damage, then the players are going to be like, uh, that's not powerful. No, you know, and, for and, sure. But and I think it's I, easier I, I think to buy into that. Yeah, because you want to. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I think it's easier for developers to trick themselves into thinking they can paper over that kind of right. stuff, but players see through it right away. Yeah. You know, like they're not. They, they don't get snowed by that stuff. They can feel it, you know, when they're playing the game. So. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Soren, actually, for I, I don't know how many people listening read Game Developer Magazine, another product my company makes. Uh, but <laughs> well, it's another Soren product Josh, you make, right? Yeah, I, it's true. I do, I do entirely single-handedly create that magazine. Wow. Uh, but no, it's pretty it's, good. I know, it's pretty right? good. Good work. You know what? Yeah. Um, but Soren Johnson is one of our is one of our uh, two alternating design columnists for that magazine. Oh, cool. And he he uh, he frequently talks about that kind of stuff in his column. It's a really good column. Yeah, uh, he I've talks a lot. He, and I I don't know for anyone who's interested in game development or game design, it'd yeah. be worth seeking that out. Also, if you don't want to actually subscribe to our magazine, he puts a lot of those up on his blog later. So he's got a blog. You can probably find it by searching for his I name. I think it's SorenJohnson.blog. Dot blog. Mm. Yeah, dot, <laughs> dot blog is the is dot the museum. New, I think is, dot blog is the new dot museum. Dot website oh, okay. actually. Right. Yeah. Internet dot. Mm -hmm. That blog museum. Jake is just a wealth of information. I don't know if this is the seg is too far fetched, but I saw Civilization Five this week, and I talked to mm. uh, oh, that's producer fine. on the game. That's a, that's a totally fine seg. That's pretty good. You went from Civ Four to Civ Five, yeah. so it's just one more. It's yeah, it's well done. But the the interesting thing about it is about Civ Five. About Civ Five. Well, okay, not the seg. Not the same. <laughs> okay, um, we've moved on. You can go ahead. No, I because I mean we we talked. I mean I think we no. I think we brought up Civ Five last week, but that was before there was really much. That information was just us being it. excited about Civilization yeah. Six sided tiles. So right, uh, I saw like a forty five minute demo of it this week, and then spent a while talking to uh, the the main producer on the game, and uh, it's it is it's really interesting to me because. Soren Johnson, as I think you know, we already mentioned, and a lot of people already know, worked on Civ Four, and Civ Four was was I think a lot of people see as the like kind the of pinnacle. pinnacle, yeah, the pinnacle of this particular attitude and design of the Civilization series. I mean, it, it really is like an incredibly uh, refined game. Um, Civ Five is actually really intriguing to me because it's really different, actually, um, and I think that was already kind of clear just in the initial screenshots and announcement but it's it's actually shocking how many changes there are there's no stacking you can't stack units at all um there obviously we already know it's hex based um it, it actually looks like what they're they're they've internally kind of realized all right we have this game that that is seen as kind of the culmination of what we were doing and we're actually going to try making a different game that to tie back into what we were talking about sort of maintains these same themes uh but gets there through a different route and it, it's it's really interesting to me there's they're almost taking moving a little bit more it seems toward the um direction of some other strategy game series like total war not far in that direction but with the idea of trying to have individual leaders assert more um discernible personalities that's cool uh which which is interesting i'll be i'll be mm -hmm. curious to see how that turns out um they will try to execute a plan based on what their cultural uh, kind of predispositions are 
like cultural predispositions or what we know is their the path they took in our like, well yeah kind of i mean i guess I you could, were going with that but i wasn't well no crazy. i mean yeah. well like oh like at one point like i uh, think you could argue like maybe those i mean those things probably have a lot of overlap right i mean yeah the, the one informs the other i mean but I, it's but i mean so c5 is racist it is it's totally racist oh but you know actually one really awesome thing they're doing this isn't really a game design issue it's just awesome it has racism Um, PSAs it it totally is racist yeah I love how they're doing that Um, but no all of the uh, all of the actual leaders speak in their native language including like Montezuma like like, and all they got Mel Gibson in there (laughs) (laughs) well they track down all these guys who are specialists in the various dead languages like some of the civilizations from civilization no longer really exist in any meaningful right. form. And so they actually had to track down people who specialize in these la- la- languages and then actually get people who could speak them with, you know, gravitas and, wow. uh, you know, depth. Like, That's wow. extreme. It's pretty awesome. Oh, we should and- totally do that at Telltale on our next thing. I mean, <laughs> what, have Montezuma yeah. in your Oh, for sure. We'll just cook. Yeah, we'll just cook. Yeah, have have some guy come in and speak ancient Mayan. Yeah, <laughs> right. whatever. Yeah. Wow. Duh, we'll do that. But yeah, it, it's actually a really cool thing. That's actually the next episode of Idle Thumbs. We'll all speak in our native languages. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually this episode, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. We actually started doing that about episode 23 of the old podcast. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not very many people commented on that change, but no. under the radar. Hey, did you get any that's impression cool. as to whether... Uh, you, did you feel like they, they're, they're making efforts to make Civ Five more accessible than Civ Four? Because yeah. I, I, I really felt like... I was coming into the fourth sequel right, to a right. movie without knowing enough to right. be effective at it. I mean, I and I, and I loved. I mean, I I loved Civ Rev a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I didn't get super into. It. I wasn't like yeah. I didn't play a crazy amount, but I I played it through a bunch of times and I liked it. And it was. I mean, even then, I mean, maybe it's I'm still pretty complicated. I could yeah. be a stupid person, but it took <laughs> well, me a few like I think that goes a big a number of catastrophic failures to really understand how to play it well, even with Civilization Revolution, which is like a much, like the much baby one. Yeah, uh, yeah I wasn't going to say that. No, it's really arcade Civ, I guess. Is yeah, I mean, I don't it's... know. I've only, have you only played four and Rev? No, I've only played two and the like half of the tutorial for four, and I was just like. Uh, this is not for me. And then Rev. Because I just bought four and then I was in. So it's like I'd yeah. never played a Civ game before then. And I was like, oh, I'm learning. Steve, what he's yeah. saying is you're an idiot. No, no, no. It was I I'm saying I totally agree. Okay, yeah. So. Uh, we were just both idiots. Right. But I eventually <laughs> became obsessed with that game. But I still don't think I'm good at it. I'm just like, spies, do go, you, go, do you, but, but, do you find though that it's that I mean and and I'm uh, this is not a leading question. I'm actually really curious. Do you find that it's You're enjoyable dumb. to play, even if you don't understand all of it, or do you find that it's confounding? Um, it it feels because I, I, you have it's weird because you come to it with what you know about human history and right. what, like oh of course I'm going to need to know how I'm going to need to know pottery right. But then to play this game where I like have machine guns and have just neglected pottery is bizarre. You <laughs> yeah, know? but like, you can totally do that, though. Like, that's I know, totally but, valid. But it doesn't stuff. kind of, like, introduce... There's nobody at the beginning of Civ 4. reassure you that that's okay? Like, yeah, yeah like, yeah. Sid needs to just come on screen and be like, okay, so here's the deal. Like, <laughs> you're gonna be able to shoot dudes in the face at a thousand yards, yeah. but you're not gonna you can build rice. a wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I've, I've see that wasn't that wasn't my problem. That was problem really with it at weird all. for me. Like, like I had to get that. That's interesting. Just, well, I've never heard someone a, mention that, but that's see, totally cause, makes sense. Because yeah. coming from my point of view, since I had played Civilization Two, like you know, a long time ago, but I played it. Uh, the the whole like tech tree thing was not super weird to me. It was all of the other stuff that had been added on in between. You know, like it felt like the game had a lot of complexity that 
you basically had to interface with all of it to be yeah, effective. Okay, so you know, and like, I, I guess I wonder if no, in Civ, I, I can address that. Directly, my, my, yeah, because yeah. my expectation is in Civ Five, I could see them a productive direction might be retaining complexity but allowing you to be fairly effective by ignoring a lot of. Yeah, it. no, that's really true. I can't. Um, so, uh, Sean, I don't really know if they're addressing what. You oh, have I don't even need to with, be addressed. That's but, just like my bag, oh, okay. that's like my gamer baggage, you know, yeah. that you bring to everything. But like. no, Steve, they the interface like particularly from the interface elements, and I don't know what they're doing in terms of, you know, tutorial kind of stuff or anything, but in terms of just the interface that's always there in front of the screen, they are like drastically reducing the number of immediately available options for any given unit. And if you need all that weird stuff, you can you can sort of like tree it out, you know, outward, but like all the stuff you actually see on the screen is the stuff that like 95% of the time is what you're doing, yeah. which is like, move a guy, build a city here. Like, yeah. what, I mean, they're, and, they, and the, I think the thing that was even bigger for me was city management stuff, which could get super complex. Yeah. I, I, the, the demonstration I got is not really in depth enough to be able to yeah. really comment on that, I guess, but I'll probably see it soon. But, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed, I mean, they did, they did say that they learned a lot from Civ Rev which was kind of their first stab at doing that kind of thing about making a, a more presentable modern era Civ game. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems like the interface is one of the areas that, that had the uh, most significant amount of time invested into it in terms of accessibility. Whereas a lot of the other systems I think are, are changing a lot, but I think they're trying to retain basically the same amount of under the hood complexity. I think they said they're trying not to exceed Civ 4 in that respect, but not to dial it back either. That's cool. Um, and their uh, UI and graphic designer has not played Bioshock. Yeah, I specifically asked about this. Um, because the Civ 5 logo and stuff looks very, like they've got that sort of art deco thing going on, and it just, if, like, 2K and games, it's by two, 2K. two biggest yeah. franchises are Bioshock and Civ, Yeah. and right now they both have this super clean sort of like, uh, slightly like pre pre modern deco thing, and huh. they look like I don't know. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Chris no. and I were talking about that. What I love stupid no, I just crap like that. picturing like if Civ and like Bioshock made a baby and like it would be fucking it would weird. be Civ Five. <laughs> yeah. It would be Bio Civ. It would Bio be Civ, Civ Shock. So it's like what would happen to your Civil cities? Shock. Your city start all night. Nice, then they go underwater. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> really. Yeah. But yeah, I like thank oh, you, Chris, for yeah, asking so. about that because we were both like. Yeah, no, I, I asked. I, I, I asked the I can't guy. Even picture the logo. I look might, it up. I yeah, it's it's actually it a really nice looking logo. It looks fantastic. Yeah, the treatment um, for all the the Civ Five stuff. The, nice. the whole little logo animation that goes through takes the logo through all the ages. I think is beautiful. But uh, anyway, since I liked it so much, I asked the guy about it, and I said it's interesting that this game and Bioshock, obviously both owned by Two K Games, like is that. I don't know, you guys just were like, sweet, it worked for that game. And the guy said, no, they've actually been working on this game for like more than three years. And their their UI guy has had that look nailed down for, for quite a while. And then when Bioshock was came out, or probably when it was, you know, coming coming out and it was all the stuff was being promoted everywhere, he was like, Oh shit. And so he basically <laughs> just like didn't he still never played Bioshock because he was really worried about people having you know, maybe, maybe he probably, I guess, maybe wasn't concerned about that, but I guess more about just himself becoming subconsciously right, influenced by. Accidentally start putting a circus of values into. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, this is a weird thing to say, but uh, I like that they made Civ Rev in between four. I like when games do that, actually. We're like, we're going to do something drastic and weird and figure something out in our franchise. It's like, it feels like they're making. I like it when they 
kind of jump well, off. It the forces numbers. them to take a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah, like they're making yeah. a game for us and them. Actually, they're like, this is we're experimenting with some things and yeah. we're putting it out because it's good, but. Um, Civ Rev was definitely an extreme learning experience. Every other Civ since one has been like just evolution and refinement. Yeah, yeah. Civ Rev was like more badass, totally horizontal. Yeah, I think it's cool and good too. Yeah. So since we've been talking about Civilization, Soren Johnson, and all this stuff, you guys want to talk about Sid Meier's keynote for a minute? Um. No. Yes. We can. I sure. don't know if there's a whole lot. We can. I I really like this polo shirt. <laughs> I, I I love that I I love that Sid Meier seems like such a totally like normal dude. He is. Yeah, we've he's, he's like he's, he's such a, he's such a totally normal just like dad. Yeah, like, you look at the guy and they're like that's a that's like a that's dad. someone's dad. Yeah, uh, and that's someone's really friendly dad. Yeah, it's like a totally normal dad except this one made civilization. <laughs> right. uh, and he, yeah, I like that about him. No, he's a really he's a super nice guy. Yeah, when he was like, I'm, I, when I go to the movies with my wife, like I instantly just saw him in the row ahead of me at like the AMC and like yeah. the creek. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, you're that guy. Yeah. On like a Thursday It's weird night. that we all have domestic fantasies about Sid Meier. <laughs> <laughs> They're different ones too. And I imagine him at the same frills. movie that I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> he was my friend's dad in my dreams. Like, what? Me. <laughs> Creepy. Uh, that has nothing to do with this talk. Well, no, I know. When no, we, talk was Chris, not... when we walked out of that talk, oh, yeah. you, you had a pretty strong reaction to it, I thought. At oh, least maybe I... compared to some of us. Well, I didn't have a strong reaction. I I thought you broke out in hives. That's <laughs> true. I did. It was gross. That was not to do with his talk, though. Oh, that was. I don't want to talk hives. about that. Yeah. Uh, no, but he his, his talk was was sort of just an overview, basically, of of stuff that he thinks is is useful about game design, particularly as as it relates to player psychology and kind of player expectation and uh, just kind of design guidelines and rules related to that and. Um, a lot of it was about, I think probably the through line, I guess, was sort of transparency in game systems and, and sort of not subverting necessarily player expectation of how they understand something to happen. Like, you know, if they test something one way, they're going to expect it to work a particular way. And as a designer, you should try not to contradict that and yeah. create odd and un unexpected situations which yeah. i mean is consistency is basically the number one rule in game design yeah i mean mm -hmm. systems are con consistent by definition right otherwise it's not a system right and so i mean yeah like emphasizing that but is, but it's interesting it's important but it's also extremely kind of like it's the foundation right you now it's a it's a thing you should kind of understand right already. But, but there's 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 counterintuitive parts to that like d randomness design or the sort of bullshitting randomness in right. a way that is convincing to people. And it's this true. Is that that was that was one of the most interesting things yeah. about it when he was talking about about user testing of yeah. like civilization revolution. And the players just hate random. Well yeah, well, players, because, players assume in his, as, in, effectively in his what it is is player well it's funny that he mentioned this because I had seen Rob Pardo of Blizzard basically say the exact same thing earlier that day. Like it was they had the they had the did the exact same testing and had the exact same results. Yeah. Which is players will always read the if something bad happens as a result of a random roll, players will read the worst into it. And if something good happens, they will attribute it to themselves. Like they will always, you know. It, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the thing that I thought, the other thing about it that I thought was interesting was that basically there, there are all these, there are these logical fallacies that 
uh, are known right. to be why the house tends to win in gambling because people don't understand how actual probability works. And so they make assumptions about like lucky streaks and like how likely they are to fail if they have really good odds and stuff right. like that. So, you know, people lose money because they're, they're like, you know, if, if I, if I lost last time, it makes it less likely that I'll lose the next time, you right. know, because it, it couldn't, it would be, you know, crazy for it to happen twice in a row. Well, it's a 50 50 chance. It could happen as many times in a row as it, you want. It's random. You could um, lose forever. <laughs> or, you know, like j just stuff like that. Or, like, if I have eight to one odds, pff, I'm, you know, that's a sure bet. You know, exactly, well, right. but one in eight times you're going to lose. And so, like, the the stuff that his users brought to him was basically like, uh, I do have those assumptions because I don't understand probability. And I'm pissed off when I lose a two to one battle like three times in a row that's not supposed to happen it's two to one if i right. lost once i i'm supposed to win the next time right and so they actually had to make the logic under the hood of their game work right. differently to reinforce yeah. the like wrong assumptions that players had going in so right. they wouldn't get frustrated yeah when they played the game so that it would work the way they effectively think it's supposed to work right and based it would on depress me yeah, yeah, it really bummed me out too. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it was. I think it's super interesting. I think it's totally valid yeah, because <laughs> at the end of the day, you can always adjust the actual balance of the game to then go go back and refit what your new probability rules are. Right, like you you're really only adjusting what the player is aware of and how they react to that. But you can still go back and tune the actual values to to be whatever you need them to be to make your game balanced. Like it's purely I mean th that was what was really interesting. Uh, Rob Pardo of Blizzard, this is not probability but it's a similar thing. In in World of Warcraft what they did when they first uh designed the game was they had an experience system that would over time lower the amount of experience you got because they didn't they wanted to encourage people to play for like two hours at a time instead of 12 hours at a time <clears throat> so the longer you played you'd get this experience degradation and then it would bottom out and at that point you just it would be a fixed rate of experience and, and just people just hated it they fucking hated it and so they went back and he was like all right so basically what we did was we made everything in the game take twice as much as experience to achieve as before and then we flipped it so actually what happens is you start getting 200 percent experience and eventually it goes back down to 100 so that effectively now how they spin it is when you log out for a while you get this 200 percent boost when you log back in and then over time it goes away and you just get regular 100 percent experience it's exactly the same as it was before except now everyone's like fuck yeah blizzard this is exactly what i want yeah. now i get twice as much experience Bonus. when i log in yeah. but everything yeah. in the game takes it's twice, twice, twice like, as much yeah, yeah. and yeah. so it, and it, it's it's a it's a way of framing it as an, an extra thing as a positive exactly. thing a instead balance, of a punitive yeah. right. thing. And he said the lesson they learned from that was even if the underlying system is identical, players always respond to rewards better than punishment. So even if you're trying to model beha or mold behavior in the same way, if you can do that with a reward rather than a punishment, even if yeah. nothing's changing, players will always respond yeah. better. And, and, and I mean, that, that kind of shit should be obvious, but you don't think about it. Because, I mean, if yeah. you think about similar stuff that's done in, like, marketing, like in the grocery store, like, just think about... Exactly. You Every know, they're, sale, they're, yeah. Yeah, because they're like, oh, buy one, get one free. Like, that sounds attractive, whereas, like... If you only buy one, it costs twice as much. <laughs> like, what? Uh, so, yeah. And you have to do that in your game, too. Right, but, the I grocery mean, store is, 
You should plan ahead by getting two things of milk. Otherwise, it'll cost you six dollars. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. I don't like the store at all. Yeah. Well, how about get this? How about if you buy one, we'll give you one for free. Well, this store's fucking sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. I like stores telling you to a motherly reminder to stock up on milk, though. Otherwise, it will cost you more. <laughs> it's right. called Moms. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, video games. I like them, but the other th- the the thing the thing about Sid Meier's talk uh, that was not that didn't really seem acknowledged uh, by him was that some of the stuff that he seemed to be presenting as sort of hard and fast universal rules were pretty sp- specific to the kinds of games he makes. Where like yeah. maybe things he said you should never do, you could actually do in other games. Like when he was talking about. Uh, some old game, I forget. I forget if it was actually released, but um, the adventure game that he was working on. Yeah, the adventure game. I don't think they released that. Okay, so it was something he worked on like in the eighties or early nineties, and it was like an adventure game where there's a story where you know there's this guy that tells you to go to the castle, and so you go there and you play for you know a bunch of this kind of RPG adventure stuff, and you get to the castle and you find out that guy was the bad guy all along, and he's like ah, and then. You know, you have to go back to defeat him, basically. He was like, that sucks. You should you should never make a game where a guy tells you to do stuff, and then it turns out he was the bad guy after all. Nobody would like that. I was like, Bioshock. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, nobody's no, ever totally made a Bioshock. game in this yeah. like And that. so it's just, I, I think that, like, some in a few cases he didn't acknowledge, like, if you're making a heavily systemic, you know, kind of like rules based game, yeah, if you're you shouldn't do this. A Sid Meier uh, Uber board game, basically. Yeah, if you're making a Sid Meier game, this is a bad idea. Uh, in other situations, it, it could be applicable, yeah. uh, but, you know, and it, it wasn't really ever voiced. You know, it, he, I, he kind I of had these that. things that were very, like, the one way that you should always do Just something. Once, you know? once there's a sort of player character, or sort of weird, you know, cipher that you're controlling. Well, once in the your game. system is 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 effectively like not symmetrical. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's basically yeah. Because well, he he designs essentially symmetrical games. But yeah. Anyway, my my response to that was I totally agree with you. I I don't think that should be something that a game designer simply doesn't do. I guess my response would be. I I think. More even even if necess- even if he maybe didn't allow the room wiggle room there that he should have. I think the real message there was, and I think he actually said this verbatim was, "Don't waste your players' time." I think was yeah. more of the real message that was f- more useful to take away. But my I guess the other reaction I had to the speech as a whole was, yeah, no, these are- yeah, yeah. And, and it's, sorry, just to 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 reinforce that, I, I agree with you on that front where he was using that as a as a way for saying like. They kind of were doing that. That that particular example in their case was kind of designing for the designer's benefit. Like they were like, "This would be so cool. This is such a great twist. I want to do this to the player." Right. With and and then without taking into account, well, maybe the player would actually hate this because in the way they had implemented it, it basically invalidated all the gameplay right. up to that point. You know, um, and so yeah, thinking you shouldn't be focused on your own desires. You should be focused on what's going to be good for the player and yeah, value their, their time. Those are good takeaways. Right. It was just some of the stuff no, no, I understand. Was, was, yeah. you know, put across in a sort of funny yeah. way. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the other sort of overall takeaway I got from that was, and, and this is arguable. I don't know if necessarily what I'm saying is true, but the, the sense that I was left with was that these are things that probably work pretty well. Again, as you say, in a, in a, mainly in a, in a sort of, more traditional systemic environment, but they're things that because they do 
run contrary to to the notion of kind of consistency for the player. There are things that if you do decide to make a game that that reverses that or includes that thing or breaks that rule or whatever, it should be something you think about more than a lot of other maybe less wide-reaching design decisions. Like that's the yeah. kind of thing where if you do put that in game, like Bi- like Bioshock, for example, obviously that was an amazing part of that game. That could like there's a million ways that could have been done horribly. Yeah. More than most design decisions can be yeah. done horribly. I was a music major in college and the for for like two years in our music degree, we we learned all of these rules about vocal harmony in like, you know, 17th and 16th, 17th century or 17th and 18th century, uh like choral harmony and there's all these complicated rules about the way the different voices interact with each other and what's the most pleasing like leading between different intervals and all, all these complicated rules and they're they're all things that our professors would teach them as if they were ironclad rules right but which which is very frustrating to like college-age student you want to be doing all this writing all this crazy music and doing all this stuff and like i would talk to them after class and i'd be like do you do you really actually expect us to like follow all these rules when we write music and they're like no 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 of course not like absolutely not that would be ridiculous what we're trying to do is teach you why these work well so that when you do something else you understand what it is you're not doing and like why you're doing that and like the this is the pleasing rule that if you do this it's gonna it's probably gonna sound pretty good but there are a million other infinite ways you can write a piece of music but knowing this tradition will help you understand better when you're doing something else and like to me that has always stuck with me in a lot of different disciplines and that was actually kind of because i think of sid meyer as like that bach like guy right i mean all those rules we learned that was the bach style of corral and sid meyer is that very traditional very kind of uh you know like sort of masterly traditional game designer who balances things carefully and works in that framework And, and that's kind of how that talk came off to me it called back all those memories i had of of that very rigorous college education so for me, it was interesting in that respect. Yeah. Weren't you going to say something famous? famous? No, I was going to say that the, the moment's passed. <laughs> <laughs> I like Nintendo yeah, this is, games. This is serious cast here. Yeah, Jesus. Wii Sports is fun. It's yeah. a pretty fun game. I like how it's like you swing the tennis racket. I know. It's just like that. We're taking a break now? Yeah. We got yes. See you guys on the other side. <laughs> oh, rock and roll. Lock and load. Weapons hot. Video game. This is the Idle Thumbs Conf Grenade. <laughs> if you want to see your daughter again, <laughs> you see your daughter again bring the money to the bus station. Of- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's the kidnapper voice. I know what it is. That's <laughs> what it's like. I don't need to learn. That's how vague the kidnapper was. <laughs> bring the money to the bus station. What? How much, how much money? What bus station? This is my final communication. <laughs> no! <laughs> Goodbye. You're a gun rack. <laughs> also, we won't leave my final communication. No, no. Goodbye. But I'm hanging up now. <laughs> no, you hang up. <laughs> what? <laughs> This is uh. terrible. <laughs> the the, the best a junior high like <laughs> boyfriend. Like, what is this? The best. Stop copying me. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> no oh, man, you do it, Steve. You make it do weird things. Uh, you make yeah. it feel funny. 
It was mm-hmm. the the best, most terrifying version. Of, let's not put this in because I'm going to mention Far Cry 2. The best, most terrifying <laughs> version of that is when you take the assassination missions in Far Cry 2 and oh, you pick yeah. it up from the fucking right. tower yeah. and it's just like... <laughs> you're like ah. <laughs> That's fucking creepy. Yeah. It is. It's the creepiest version of that voice yeah. that I've ever heard and it's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Mm. So speaking of Far Cry 2... Um, oh yeah, I was hanging out with Clint Hawking and uh, oh, we were talking about how cool he is and I am. And just normal <laughs> stuff. Anyway, Famous gainer! Phaedrus. And we all have it in common, yeah. So, so If you want to see Phaedrus. <laughs> or no, this, this is Phaedrus. <laughs> if you want to see your daughter alive. Yeah. Phaedrus is really just the 2010 Zodiac. She'll be delivered via rocket mail. <laughs> Go to the nearest rocket mail stop. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Goodbye. No, you hang up. What? Phaedrus, sign- Phaedrus out. <laughs> All right, this is this podcast is never going to work. No, we're good. Phaedrus. All right, can we call this episode Phaedrus 2010? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my god! Terrible. This is the worst episode we've ever made, and we haven't made it yet. Don't fall out of the fucking stool. Oh, Let's try it. See where we can get to. Video game. So Are why we? did why do they call you famous? Sean? They don't. That's funny you should mention that. Oh, I thought they did. I thought, I thought your Sean name was Famous, famous Venomon. No, you guys call me that. <laughs> well, because that, that's your name, right? I mean... No, 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 no. That's you guys you just call me that. You're, yeah, when, oh, really? when was I that listened on, to was that on the, the Idle Thumbs Conf Grenade, your, your they called you Idle... They thought uh, Famous. Oh, it was the 2010 episode. Right. Oh. Alright, so we're back with Sean Famous Venomon. Oh. <laughs> Hey, famous. Just going for What's it. What's up, Boost? What are you uh, doing? You know, just doing a podcast. With, hey, Scoops. Uh, I just want to get out on this. Oh. Right. What's up, video games? Video games. Yeah. Oh. It's terrible that Man, these all exist. We're the yeah. worst. So, Famous, you were on a, uh, a panel today. <laughs> Every time you call me Famous, we're just going to call you Boost. Uh, all right, Famous. You're using the Royal Wii now, Famous? Yeah, that was actually a Royal Wii. <laughs> I looked. Up, I've looked up want... Royal Wii on the internet, and I'm pretty sure the Coen Brothers invented that for the Big Lebowski. No, they didn't. Really? No. No. They fucking didn't at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Well, no. Well, the Coen Go Brothers get no credit. No, no. no. It I was on Wikipedia, so no. I, the the, the, okay, the royal is... the royal Wii as a phrase definitely existed before 1996. No, I understand the practice of royalty and certain other like classes of people using Wii to mean I. Oh, well, the phrase but, did as okay, well. Did it really? Yeah. Okay, that's what I was more dubious about but all right what's up famous hey <laughs> the royal Wii. the royal Wii, yeah it still pleases me that in google that if i write hot scoo i quickly get steve hot scoops gainer that pleases yeah. me greatly i agree famous uh, <laughs> so uh, it's the majestic plural that's see that's what i thought majestic. i don't think it's actually called the royal we oh look all right Look for first known usage of phrase royal we. It's gonna be the royal we, the it's the royal <laughs> pronoun, the royal we or the Victorian we. But yeah, it is it is referred to as the royal we. Okay, fine. I submit to the wiki. All right, we're back with Sean Famous Vanneman. Oh, hey. I know. I'm not thrilled he's here either. Yeah. <laughs> but you so, set up a microphone for me, which was nice. I did. So Even Famous, you were on a panel today with Tim Schafer. I was. And a... Rihanna Pratchett. Yes. As and and jokes. someone else or just uh, John Teddy from the AV Club. He's the okay. AV Club. Right? He was a moderator, right? Or... Yeah, he was a moderator. Okay. He was a great dude. I can't say so enough. So what did you guys talk guy. about? Talked about writing jokes and games and comedy and games in general. Was it writing jokes and games or was it writing 
No, it's like, just about comedy writing. It wasn't actually jokes, about. Well, no, but I mean, no, I didn't. No, sorry, I didn't intend. It was that, about no. like gags, you know, pretty like, much. Well, because I think no. it was about nineties dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it was the reason I ask is because comedy writing games is not actually all that common. And right. so like, that's why there's a panel about. But there are jokes right. in games a lot. They found the only three ones that could talk about that do it. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think Jake is probably better to talk about the moment to moment of it because I was really like this deer in the headlights for most of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you actually um, apologized at one point for, uh, you know, being insecure. Yeah, I it went was, on this it was, really it was, weird. It was, no, it was funny because I started talking and I was well, I wasn't talking about being insecure in front of them because I was talking about like being an insecure writer. How that's the most really like recursive in, apology. But I like bumped my microphone while I got up, so it was like the feedback, and I then I walked off. That sounds like, <laughs> like, like one dude clapped in the background, <laughs> and then everyone slowly started joining in and standing. I, like up. two guys did, and then they realized yeah. that it wasn't catching on, and oh, right. Sean was in a the taxi out of the hell. Yeah. <laughs> In a heap of tears. Yeah, I heard it went well, but that sounds like it went better than I could have expected. Yeah, no, no, it really went off without a nice. hitch. Yeah. Uh, oh, I thought that was you, like, getting in on the fact that Sean left the panel and that, like, that went better than you would have expected. <laughs> That's exactly what he was saying. That's what he was saying. Oh, that is the and joke. And then I gave him a snarky laugh and he looked at me like I was a douche. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> you ruined me, Steve. I'm ruined. <laughs> it's the normal way I look at you, Jake. But yeah, I mean, comedy in games is not common ish no. at all so so but that was actually the first i thought john did a good job okay. of that being sort of the first question was sort of like comedy as genre and we all had very different opinions multiple times about that which was cool because um yeah it was a nice panel because you guys didn't actually see eye to eye on almost anything in the panel but we didn't argue but you didn't argue about it yeah you just sort of said things we just sort of had um we just sort of had a uh, different perspectives i think and that's definitely a byproduct of who we are in the industry you know um such as what well i'm sort of just like you know staff famous dude staff writer yeah uh, i mean you've written for a lot of well-known and loved characters right but like yeah but like tim Tim is the god company well right and then rihanna pratchett is a contract writer who comes in to you know be a writer on a very different are you dressing me down video games christ steve It's, they're blatantly in three different positions in the industry. I agree with that. Well, it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I'm with you. Think about it. Yeah, I mean, jeez. Yeah. That clearly so tinted our opinions. It was hilarious because of that. <laughs> were, that made it really funny. <laughs> laugh, you bastard. Come on. Look out this there. Make him funny. laugh. <laughs> Comedy writing in games. <laughs> what? Tim is very much of the... At least the opinion he expressed, which also, now that I've been on a panel, I want to say, like, the opinion you express very boldly in front of, I don't know how many people fit in that room. May not represent your actual opinion. Yeah, you say these things and you're like, I kind of believe that, but it's not necessarily... You you feel compelled to say something authoritatively, but in reality, in a conversation with someone, you might be much less hardline about it. Tim, Tim basically opened that conversation with, I have always sort of hoped that there would be a breakout comedy game sort of so that a comedy genre in gaming would be established and then people in boardrooms would be like, well, that comedy game made a billion dollars, so we need to start funding games with humor in them. Which and, Rihanna and I didn't necessarily yeah. agree. I mean, what does he mean by comedy genre? Because right, game genres are well, like, not well, like, like comedy itself being the, well, the like selling a, point people, of the game. People will go see a comedy film. Like people, right. his, his argument was people would go see a film specifically because it is a humorous film. Right, but I mean... Yeah, I understand that, but yeah. comedy okay. being valued as a unique selling point. 
Sure. Like I feel like if you set up, the genre's you're probably like, not we're the gonna most write a comedy game. That, well, like, I don't know if he actually if that even com- said that word. Oh, okay. If that's a top-down directive, like we're gonna write a comedy game, yeah. you're quickly going to get a bad Leisure Suit Larry game. You know, like it's just going to be jokes and jokes and jokes. Where like, I mean, Psychonauts is right there, right on the shelf. Sorry, this is radio. Um, but that game is very funny. But like, it's there's still like it's of consequence, you know, and like. There are movies that are very funny, but they're like a romance or they're a friendship drama or they're, okay, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like comedy is just the thing that like keeps you going moment to moment. And yeah. that's really what I believe. It's like Monkey Island is um, a game. Tales of Monkey Island is about like trust, these relationships that Guybrush has with people who are very close to him and uh, how they get strained. But then, you know. But it's also a million jokes. Many jokes about leg sweating. And things like this. <laughs> well, that's he's yeah. a leg sweater. He's a total leg sweater. That, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> that's something that I think is always can hold done. His breath for ten minutes. But his legs are sweaty while he does it. <laughs> yeah, creepy. <laughs> that's that's something that I think has always done a disservice to people's memories of or descriptions of old LucasArts games in particular. Oftentimes, you read stories by people in writing for game websites or whatever, especially when. Uh, a game is reissued or a remake is made and they're like they're a laugh a minute yeah these this game these games were just packed to the walls with guffaws and just laugh riot and this was the funniest game declaring it the funniest game ever made and it's i mean those games had a lot of funny things in them but they didn't exist just for the purpose of having you laugh your ass off and anyone says who says they fell out of their chair laughing when they played monkey island one is probably either making that up or like just not remembering very well yeah because i mean that's or not, they're horrible or they're awful <laughs> or people they're lying, yeah. right yeah you know because that's not what the experience of playing those games was at all the, the humor was like almost greasing the wheels it wasn't you know, it wasn't the engine. I mean, it, 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 no, it, the engine of one is like, oh, I'm this guy who like, it's a very, like, very pure desire. Like, I'm an adolescent. I want to I like how something. you just said of one, because that reminds me of in the Sopranos where they just use shorthand of in one to <laughs> like to indicate they're talking about Godfather. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in one, oh, like yeah. you're the guy who works for oh, the adventure know. game company. It's yeah, like, like, yeah, man. And back in one, yeah, like, <laughs> that's true. It's the exact same. Yeah. And except we don't, yeah. Also, the, the um, thing that's kind of interesting, I think, maybe about that is that like Tim Schaefer ad- advocating for you know comedy being kind of the focus of the game and and uh, possibly giving rise to more like comedy games. Um, Maybe the best stuff he's done in his career is is, is 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 his least like overtly comedic, yeah, like sure. Full Throttle Absolutely. and Grim there's Fandango. Like five jokes in Full Throttle, well, if that. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of there funny lot stuff of jokes, in but, in Full yeah, Throttle, yeah. and a lot of it is kind of absurd. Uh, but it isn't like like it, I mean, there it, are it, comic it, relief characters in that game. Yeah, yeah. it's a noir and, and film I mean, in the desert. It does know? also have to be said that that was like one one single thing that Tim said that we're using in isolation and it was like the oh, first no, thing that's funny and I was well that's exactly say. what Famous was saying about the idea of the the things you say on a panel <laughs> oh yeah of course thanks very, and that, I mean that happens to me on this fucking podcast oh, and, and this I'm, podcast isn't even important but, but I mean like, to be yeah, fair I, I've, I've heard, is, I've heard Tim Schafer say that before in interviews oh, I know. Like yeah. years ago but I mean so I mean it's definitely a thing agreeing almost for the rest of the thing it did yeah after that we were really like high-fiving I mean, obviously, like a lot of a lot of Monkey Island was talked about because there were two people on the panel that worked on a Monkey Island game. But I was I didn't realize it's like I obviously you don't not think about that going in. Yeah. But like up until we're both sitting there being like, so Guybrush, Guybrush, we've both written for Guybrush. Um, I didn't realize like it was happening. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, that was kind of a cool thing for me personally, especially going into Monkey Island. Um, and I mean, we can both talk about this a little bit. We think of the sensibilities of the people who worked on that game. <clears throat> 
But uh, like I my direct like Grossman when I like was starting on that title Dave Grossman Dave Grossman David Grossman of a guy who's at Telltale and also worked on Monkey Island. He is our creative director and worked on Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle with Tim. But he said, "Hey, like something Tim did on Monkey Island was kind of bring that sort of like." that edge to Guybrush where he just kind of does asshole things sometimes and says kind of mean mm. things. And it's a bad thing to say, but Guybrush is an asshole for a lot yeah. of that game. No, that's, like, that's a really important dude, part of that character. Yeah. And I think the t- tales was sort of not there yet. He wasn't doing that in the first few episodes. And he's like, I would like you to try to do that. And it was kind of like, Oh, okay. I'll this. And it was neat kind of sitting next to Dave's like, I want you to write like Tim Schafer for this game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just slunk back to my desk. I was like, oh, okay. when Dave Grossman walks up to you and tells you to write like Tim Schafer, he's like, uh, well, okay. <laughs> I'll do my I'll best, do that sir. for you now. Oh. Yeah, I'll just... Yeah. Thanks for letting whatever. me know. I was kind of... On the other hand, saying make the character more of a dick, I think... It's is, also is, fun, is pretty, that's, uh, yeah. that's a pretty followable piece of direction. Yeah. Because I would say, like, in that episode, like... That's when he just starts fucking over. Merrick looks like he's in a fucking opium coma right now. I know. <laughs> Merrick's really into this talk. Oh, but the thing that I was going to bring up is that just it wasn't all just about this jokes is and the jokes greatest jokes. podcast. Like, the, Merrick says the stuff in the stuff in Psychonauts about where you sort of flip underneath the world and you end up seeing all the crazy dark stuff and how that game will have all these jokes and then occasionally just sucker punch you with a piece of drama like that came up as a theme in the talk as well. Not sure. Only, not in terms of Psychonauts in general, but just. That's how good comedy tends to work. Some, yeah. Something that I was going to uh, ask about, I, I didn't make it to the panel either, it's because true. I'm a dick. Yeah. Um, okay, though. So true. God. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, uh, I didn't think I could fit in the room with your ego, famous. I, it was, <laughs> it's gone to your head, all this fame. <laughs> I just, I've actually just floated above everybody. Uh, but the, the actual thing is that, like, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, was... Um, Though there are not very many games that are sold outright as being a comedy game and you should come to this game for comedy, I think that funny things happening in games is actually a really big draw for a lot of games, especially like open world games, for instance. Like if you look at yeah, at, at all the stuff they're showing for like Just Cause 2 right now and, and other games like Mercenaries or the Grand Theft Auto games or whatever, it's like, like, like you know, th- those videos that we've seen that's uh, whatever it's called, Badass. GTA Badassery, that's different. Though, yeah, but, well, but well, I mean, a lot of those it's, situations it's, are funny, right? Like It's ridiculous just, shit. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, it's, and it's because like you just go into this place where a bunch of unexpected events will happen and they make you laugh your ass off and you go into that game trying to find just crazy shit that's going to happen and it's really right, funny. It's not, it's not but I still feel those gags, systems are right, built yeah. in earnest. Right. You know, well, like, I mean, one of those stalker stories I told last week was like that where I ran yeah. into this place and there was a monster and I ran the other direction and it was bandits and it was fucking yeah. Scooby-Doo Hotel Land. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like that was hilarious to me. When that's disconnected from the sort of like the tonal thrust of the game, that really... I bet pisses me off, actually. Well, like, it's funny. And, like, I mean, I watched you guys play Army of Two the 40th day, like, that one morning when we were over here playing Imperial. And, um... <laughs> it's good cat noise. Like... It's kind of good. It's not... It's no bird noise. But, uh... Uh... But, like, you guys joke. And you guys are having the best time playing that game. But, like... I don't play games like that. I was just like, oh, God. And you're just like continually running into a wall. And you're like, where's the button? Where's the button? <laughs> Look at all these animations. When I like throw them all together, he looks ridiculous. And you laugh. And you guys are having a great time. Like, oh, this is a great comedy game for you guys. Well, But, but I, I just want to like eat a bullet because I, 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 I hate I do think I that's that. different, though. Because, I mean, if you... Like, if I play you, GTA 4 like I'm acting. 
Like right. I yeah. don't go do stupid stuff. Like I, for the first hour of that game, I was like stopping at stoplights. But I mean, I think that. Like, but I, I think even then, I like, actually was really into that in GTA Four as well. Yeah, but like, I mean, slowing down to pay the bridge toll. And but shit, even right. if you don't play GTA Four, for instance, to make jokes out of it, like just in the course of playing the game, it's like all that sh- the shit that's funniest about games like that is best laid plans stuff, right? Where you're like you're you're trying to pull off. Uh, you know, your mission, you're trying to get away from the cops and, you know, you ramp over something and run into something else and flip on something and land on a dude and it ends up being hilarious. Well, when the game ends up supporting that by a, a passerby in the street, I'm like, that shit's ridiculous. That's <laughs> yeah, when it's completely yeah, amazing. That's amazing yeah. Always, yeah. And yeah. that is actually something that Tim brought up. Uh, it was, I think it was in the fourth actually, Metal I, Gear. And I told this, oh yeah, in the fourth Metal Gear. He sorry. was talking about how if you point the camera at the cleavage of another character. the fourth Metal Gear? Do you mean Metal Gear Solid Sorry, four, Metal Gear Solid 4. Okay. Whatever. He was talking about, I think it was 4. He was talking about, it was a Metal Gear. It was a more, it was one of the more recent Metal Gear Solid games. He was talking about pointing the camera at the cleavage of a supporting character and if you leave it there for a certain amount of time, that character will just be like, enjoying the view or like what are you looking at or something and right. he was just like oh fuck and uh that's <laughs> now we know tim Schafer looks at video he game said that moves. a friend of his was doing it that's my favorite thing in those in those gta 4 montages is when uh like when cars explode and people are freaked out by stuff there's yeah. weird npc barks and when that stuff yeah. happens because you've caused it it's yeah. always yep. way more yeah. rewarding than when the right. game doesn't notice that you've made horrible oh, right. mayhem Although sometimes which is totally, totally writing in games yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and, I, and i think that's i think that's where the two come together is that like if the game was incredibly self-serious you know just like 100 percent, then it wouldn't be as funny you know you would see something crazy happen but there needs to be kind of that that tone of this stuff's ridiculous, you know, yeah. and and GTA Four especially, or even just this moment's ridiculous because you know. Well, yeah. but but it but it, it it makes it it doesn't shut down the ridiculousness of something that happens by like trying to take itself too seriously, you know. Mm. I don't know, yeah. So so I think tone and unexpected things happening in games like allows comedy to arise in a way that isn't necessarily look at this comedy game, play this game because yeah. it's so funny. Mm-hmm. But people play it that way anyway because they know that stuff happens. In right. it. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, way, I think I don't want to start marketing games as funny too either. I think that's bad. Um, I think you should just market like I think Psychonauts is a good example of a game where this should have been marketed as a kid runs away from the circus to join a psychic summer camp or to join a psychic I soldier. Think, I don't. I don't think that. I think what Psychonauts, Psychonauts should have been marketed is ex- go enter people's brains, set things on fire, levitate shit. Uh, invade people's it's minds a- and j- jump yeah. on shit. I mean, yeah, I yeah. think Psychonauts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you should market it in terms of the active verbs that you do in a they game. Should have, they should yeah. have looked forward like, into the future into how they marketed Bioshock, basically, and then marketed it that way. Right? I mean, it's yeah. like no, but I mean, Bioshock was entirely marketed on on those terms. It was it, like they didn't sell that game by talking about the like incredible atmosphere and the, the this amazing arc of this man andrew ryan i mean they sold that game by talking about all the things you as a as a character as a as a player can yeah. do in terms yeah, of i true. mean if your game has a bunch of unique really cool sounding active verbs that is right. exactly how you should sell your game is exactly what, when yeah. you press a button what crazy shit happens that you can't all do right game. so i'm totally wrong yeah Fair god you got him why are we even here? on that panel or on this oh, podcast i'm so sorry Famous more, more like, like retarded vanaman i heard it was a really more like that it is quite similar too. Um, I actually told your story. 
Oh, really? I told, yeah, I mentioned you, not by name. That oh. would have been strange. He said hot scoops. He just said hot scoops. Uh, yeah, so my, said my hot pal scoops. Hot Scoops, scoops was hot. Uh, playing Brutal Legend. And then he, and then Tim immediately was like, please. Oh, he's like, is this a bug? And I was like, no. But I told the story about you like peeling all on that dude's face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? It got a good laugh. So that was oh, really? Good. So why yeah. did you tell Steve? Well, I, story. Yeah, I was, so I was, Steve was playing Brutal Legend. <sighs> scoops was playing Brutal Legend. Hot scoops. Isn't it terrible when you're trying to tell a story and people just keep yelling your 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 uh, God? I know your idle your idle thumbs horrible name. BM We've brute forced your nickname on this. My thumbs. I did the most unfamous stuff today. Famous. Yeah, I was saying I was telling you like I think it was yeah it was must have been before your panel since you mentioned it that Brutal Legend has a bunch of you know great lines and acting and improvisation and everything, but the funniest and most memorable thing that happened to me in that game was just again something that kind of arose out of the fact that you have this car that has physics you know it's like this hot rod with these big ass wheels on the back and there are these like big huge hulking guys that have like the giant fists that run around that are enemies you know and at some point I was in the 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 hot rod and I started to back up and when I started to back up the camera turned around and I saw there was one of these giant guys behind me and so I just like backed up far enough that the physics made my back tire like go up onto his face as he was like standing there and i hit the gas and it, like peels out on his face and I, like, <laughs> escape uh, and i was like that's hilarious uh and yeah you know and it, it's it's like a very different thing than a, a well-crafted and acted Zinger. line yeah. you know but it it makes it, it makes an impact on the player because it's so unique to their own experience, you know, with yeah. the system. Would and you have been did, pleased if the game had been prepared for that and actually had... <laughs> oh, my face! Right, if the guy had been like, fuck! <laughs> as your car was driving away. <laughs> my beautiful face! Would that, would that have made you more happy or less happy? I would, have been to- I would have been totally cool with that. Okay. I mean, the, yeah. like, I, I agree with you that supporting that and recognizing it, like, you always want to right. acknowledge the player doing stuff I mean, in I'll your game. I'll just keep bringing up things that Tim said about. Yeah, because he did say that. Yeah, but he, I agree he said him completely. He said from in his point of view, at least, and it's a thing that I think is interesting, especially for a game like like Brutal Legend, is that regardless of the actual quality of your AI in terms of it being sort of an artificial brain that can interpret your actions as a player. Uh, or they, that it can think for itself. Rather, what is important is that it pretends that it knows what you're doing by having things to account for. Yeah, all the weird shit you do, which is a thing that that's pretty much all adventure games are. So, and and that's the thing that he tried to do with Psychonauts pretty hard. Um, but I think that's like if you can think of make a guy scream when you peel out on his face, right? Uh, you think that there might be a more intelligent system behind that than there actually is. Yeah. One of the funniest things I saw in the Grand Theft Auto 4 badassery series, which we talked about a long time ago on Idle Thumbs, but, and I still don't know if this was supported intentionally or as a result of some other, like, NPC system was, like, just this, this you know, I, I don't even remember what led to this, but it was just one of the big fucking pileups where fucking cars are falling on top of pedestrians and everything's fucking exploding and just going crazy. And then this lady walks by and just like in the most ultra Brooklyn accent, she's just like, that looks expensive. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the funniest fucking things I had heard in ages. Yeah. And I, I have no idea like what that was actually in response to, but the fact that it coincided with this. Right. Like, this I, I, incredible... think, I think it was probably the two cars crashed into each other. Event. And she's like, that's a fender bender. That yeah, looks like yeah, yeah. Right. right. But yeah. instead, every car in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean, the, some of that stuff is super, super specific, where they were just searching for very specific right. cases, okay. where, like, there, there was, like, 
you know, a, a guy can commit a crime and a cop goes after him and if the cop finds him, he like leads him back to his car at gunpoint, you know? And I saw this happen a few times and I was like, I don't know what happens if I kind of fuck with these guys. And so like a cop was doing that and I rolled my car up real slow and just kind of like bumped him. And, <laughs> which, which, and so guy? which guy, which guy, the cop. Uh-huh. And, and so he like stumbles and like drops his gun his or little, whatever. Like, and, and then the, like, and, and the, the guy, the, the criminal goes, thanks buddy. And runs away. <laughs> oh, and, and I did it a couple more times and there were additional barks of him being like, thanks a lot, bro. And like, yeah, thanks, bro. Yeah. And so like they, <laughs> they, they, they caught the case. The retard. <laughs> so they caught the case of, you know, guy gets right. It's freed gonna be one from of those things where cop, just one you play know. testing, you're like, oh, I wonder if I can do this. Oh shit. Okay. We'll, write that one down. We'll yeah. write a line for that. Yeah. 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 I just want to walk behind playtesters with a notebook. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and that is kind of stupid shit people do. Yeah. And that's kind of the, you know, the, the, that's where you really nail it when you are like, we'll put something, a little thing to acknowledge. You did something awesome. It's such a good reward yeah. when a game, when you do something stupid and hilarious and then the game's like, yeah, please do more of these things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because yeah. you will in fact find more of the game by doing it. Yeah. So yeah, good panel. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. job, famous. Got to have some good. reader mails? Sure. We got a lot of reader mail, actually. Yeah, we have a ton of oh, reader mail. sucks. You suck. <laughs> You're the worst guy. You fucking bastard. <laughs> Stop sending stuff. I was yeah. telling Steve he was a bastard, not the readers. Oh, no, but he said the worst, and I said, oh, it's good that they send things, right? Fred's Delaney, <laughs> I'm right? just visiting. Don't listen to me. <laughs> I'll be gone tomorrow. <laughs> oh, this is a really good email. Okay. Oh, thanks. Um, except <laughs> I tried. Don't oversell it. Okay. This is the it's best kind of, email, what a shitty email ever I'm about to, to read. Jesus. From Dear the Idle Thumbs Game Gold Pod Boost. An ex- mm. unexpected, oh, it's the best one now. I, I always read that because it always causes Steve Steve to hates <laughs> when a joke is made in an email. <laughs> that doesn't you count want all as a the joke. jokes. That was a great joke. Dear reader, that was probably pretty good. Yeah. All right, so here's the email that's actually Scoops good. Gold Blast Pod. An face. unexpectedly touching moment in a game, he says. I ran a pickup group through a heroic dungeon, and at first, I assume he's talking about World of Warcraft, and at first I thought one of the players was just a jerk because he was talking about nonsense and being chatty in a way that sounds like sarcastic jerkiness. I was brushing him off and ignoring him, and then one of the random players whispered to tell me that he and the other players were all actually a family that played together. He explained that the chatty player, his son, was a special needs kid. Suddenly, everything clicked, and I realized he wasn't actually being sarcastic at all. After every battle, after every boss he asked if he had won and when we beat the last boss the warlock his mother said okay say thank you to the tank and the hunter said thank you tank it was a better reward than any sort of loot maybe i'm particularly susceptible to it because i grew up playing video games with my own parents i learned a lot of vocabulary on my father's knee as he played infocom games with me so while i've always known the benefits of family gaming and how empowering it can be for a kid to be on a level playing field with his parents i hadn't ever actually seen it in action from the outside it was really heartwarming um with games like Bioshock 2 and Heavy Rain dealing with stories involving family matters and parent-child relationships, the last place I expected to find a harming family story was from a bunch of orcs in World of Warcraft. Uh, great to hear on the air again. Insert reference here, Fred Zeleny. That's the nicest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's yeah, totally yeah. adorable. That's, that's great. really nice. That's awesome. Do you guys Man. have memories of playing video games with your parents at all? Absolutely not. My parents don't even know what I do. Yeah. My no. parents vaguely, yeah. No, my, I was not allowed to have video games as a kid. <laughs> that's why, oh, I'm, I was a PC, that's why I'm a PC gamer, by the way. I didn't play a whole lot of games with my parents, but my dad, I guess, when he was working in San Francisco in the like late 70s and early 80s, played the Star Wars arcade game. So he took my brother and I to play the <laughs> Star Wars arcade game a few times, and he played Pilot Wings with us. Nice. Hey, Those are the two games that game. my dad thought were cool. Yeah. I, I had a good, like, the the, the, the phrase of that guy, that uh, Fred Delany, in his email uh, mentioned that it was, like, giving a, a, a child and parent a way to be kind of, like, on an even playing field yeah. uh, thing. Yeah. Like, 
it makes me think my dad and I played um, like Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego together, like when I was seven or mm-hmm. whatever. And he, you know, would like help me figure it out, but not just like, you know, steamroll it, you know? Right. And, and so like he let me feel smart and like look up stuff to figure out the puzzles. And we kind of like were figuring that stuff out together. You know, it made me feel like, oh man. Me and my dad are both working on a problem together, and you know, you, you, it makes you feel better as a kid because you know. Yeah. Where in the world yeah. is Carmen Sandiego? It's such a gold game. That was a yeah. good game. Yeah. Yeah. Gone gold mm-hmm. game. Yeah, and we like that. We had awesome like he he you know business dude went on business trips a lot and stuff, and we would like play Carmen Sandiego over the phone. Like oh, I'd ha- have like That's a corded awesome. phone, and I, I had learned enough to read or whatever when I was like seven. I would like tell him what the clue was, and we, I don't know. Yeah, Carmen Sandiego was a good dad game in the eighties. That's awesome. In yeah. the event I need to just clarify, my parents know what I do. If my mom were to listen to this podcast, which is not outside the realm of something she would oh, do, I don't want she needs mom. to know that, <laughs> Mom, I love you, and I know you know what I do, and my dad and I play Duck Hunt together, and we have a great family. Um, but I picture that family like the Incredibles, almost. It's very cool that it's flat. You know what I mean? It's right. very cool. Yeah. Oh, oh that, by the way, Mrs. Vanneman, horsebag. Oh, what does that mean? Oh. What does that mean? Nothing. My mother. <laughs> what does it mean? It's a, perif- it? it's a peripheral for the Nintendo Wii. How to get burned for riding a horse. How to get burned? <laughs> I just fell into the like the idle thumb pit of reference. I'm just yeah, being anyway, stabbed with on. sharp sticks. Keep stupid mask. Me and my mom actually just fell into a horrible pit of reference, and I'm just <laughs> trying to protect her from pain. So anyway, the I'll next email kill you. Probably about feces. Yeah. <laughs> with a hat on it. <laughs> Dear idle thumbs, I'm taking a poo. <laughs> what? Oh, oh man, we had so you totally nailed it. Wow, how did you know? Yeah, that's not what it's about. That's All not right. what it says. Charlie writes, we "Welcome back." We talked about th- poo oh. a lot earlier today. Oh, thanks for clarifying that, Jake. <sighs> Why? Did, what? Famous poo. <laughs> Your own poo? No. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, you did there? Thanks. And that whoa, that you walked oh, me right in. We're done. You nope. walked yourself right into that. All right, Charlie writes, "Welcome back, thumbs." Video games crossing into reality. Welcome back after your absence from the world of pods feels strange. Okay, well he goes on about that for a while. Um... <laughs> Anyway, I have a story about playing video games far too long and changing how you view the world. Plenty of people have had the I should steal a car thing happen after too much GTA. But my rational decision-making breakdown... Ha- what, you haven't had that? No, I've never stolen a car. I've never GTA. stolen or a car. To. That's not the point is that no, you but actually steal a car. The two ones that are cited all the time are, I could steal that car and run that light, or I bet I could pick that up with my Katamari that is my car. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely had out, both I can take out those parking yeah. meters. For sure. Okay. Okay. I can roll those up. Anyway. I so, roll it up into my I life. didn't mean to be contrarian. Yeah, well, yeah. you're... Yeah. So this guy's... This is not the experience that guy had, but he's referencing it for kind of a baseline here. So he says, my rational decision making breakdown happened after too much doom i mean doom one as a kid in the 90s i've been playing for hours and hours with the clipping shut off uh id's pop id whatever the code was um realizing i was starving i stumbled upstairs to the kitchen to grab a snack from the cupboard as i stood in front of it i actually had this thought process man i should open this cupboard and grab some doritos but wait the clipping is shut off i don't need to open the door after all whereupon i smashed my hand into the cupboard door bruising it extremely badly and waking up my parents in the process video games don't cause violent behavior yeah let's just keep that email away from guys like jack thompson and things yeah. like this um i think that guy's in jail now or something he's disbarred he's no he got disbarred well, in Florida. I, think he, I think he was shanked he was disbarred though that's a fact he was disbarred yeah Chalk one up for video games. <laughs> disbarred that guy. <laughs> he actually did basically just disbar himself by throwing his body against the rocks of video games for years. Yeah, that's too bad. Is it? No. It's too bad for video games, Rodkin. 
Uh, Stephen Lavington writes, Dear Idle Thumbs Podcast, not a dream or a case of someone assaulting me because of your show, I'm afraid. Oh. Way back in the days with the original NES, I played Super Mario Brothers 3 for so long, squinting at a shitty 13-inch screen television. 13-inch screen television that I actually became nauseous. Even today, if I see any 8-bit style graphics like the 8-bit version of Left 4 Dead, I get ill and headachy. Do any of you guys have Pavlovian type reactions as a result of video games? Cheers, Steve Lavington. <sighs> I don't know if any of you actually do, but I figured it out. I, I, had, a, I had a weird experience with that today that I can actually share sure. about GDC. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, so Whenever you know, I go to GDC, I vomit all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Signed to Tim Langdell. <laughs> wow. Uh, that guy was at GDC, by the way. I know. Yeah. He went to tweet. like indie game stuff, and I bet he was yeah. popular. Um, yeah, I'm buying that trademark. <laughs> but uh, Ian Bogost, who's like a games researcher, academic kind of guy, has made a number of games. And um, the one that he was showing at the Independent Games Festival at GDC was. Um, a game called a slow year which is like he actually programmed it for the atari like 2600 or whatever uh, and printed on the cartridges and the whole thing but uh it's like there are four seasons and each season uh is a different game that is about just sort of like like meditatively like waiting for stuff to happen and like moving slowly and everything it's, it's a very like tone like slow down and whatever uh and and so one of the games was uh it was summer and there's like a rainstorm and the goal of the game is it's supposed to be simulating like you're, you're watching a thunderstorm and lightning happens and then you know you're kind of trying to predict how long it's going to take for the thunder to you know for the thunderclap to to follow it and so you're supposed to wait for lightning in the game and then press the button uh when you think the thunder will you know start and so I, I was waiting and there's like a long gap between the lightning and everything and i'm waiting and staring at it and stuff and then the lightning happens and i try to jam the button as quickly as i can you know like in time with the lightning and i'm like ah video games trained me to do that <laughs> i was supposed to wait and do it when the light where the thunder's supposed to come uh but apparently it's just like I'm in the mindset of video game, and when thing happens on screen, Shoot you're supposed to react as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, so I definitely was, was that, Pavlovian yeah. in that sense. It was just like, flash, press button. Uh, no, oh, bad brain. Hate you, video games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was no, a very video concrete game thing. Video do turn us into twitchy, fucking nervous assholes. It's really horrible. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know about anybody else. I don't really have anything like that. I like your story, though. Yeah, yeah that's that was a good, a good one. story. All right. Uh, Crummy writes. There you go, Charlie. Yeah, that was a story for you, Charlie. Good with name remembering. That's two for two. Yeah, you're two for two. Fred Zani, yeah. Charlie. Uh, old two for two for <laughs> they call you. Uh, Crummy writes. Brief stalker experience. High thumbs. Short stalker cop experience. Wow, that's a cool acronym. I just loaded up the game and tried. That's. Uh, oh, I was Call totally on a different page. Like, yeah. so I, I stalker the game. Sorry, I was like, I thought he was just stalking somebody or had been stalked. In real life. Crazy stalk stalker experience. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. Nick Brecken followed me. I was hoping you'd keep going. Uh, I wasn't. It was funny that I like that you disclaimed it like four times. I was hoping you'd continue if I didn't interrupt you. No, I'm but done. you didn't. You didn't amuse me enough. Uh, so he says, I just load up the game and tried to speak to the very first NPC I met. Of course, you just thrust into the, <laughs> into the radioactive wilderness without a guide or hint. And so... When he demands I lower my weapon, I fumble around on my keyboard to do so until I hit the G key, which happens to drop my AK-47 on the ground. When I realize, as I realize what I've done, he casually saunters over, picks up my weapon, and walks away. 
Oh, and like, hey, hey, wait. <laughs> What's the button to say give it back? Um, I'm now all alone awesome. in the aforementioned radioactive wilderness, except now I don't have a weapon. <laughs> I, I ended up finding a crappy pistol, and I tried to shoot him in the head to retrieve my weapon, upon which I was jumped by all of his friends who came out of nowhere, and I was forced to reload my game after they slaughtered me. Anyway, keep on casting. Love what you guys do, crummy. That's a good story. The number of stories of people who are just brutalized in stalker <laughs> is really exciting to me. But that's hilarious, though. Like, <laughs> Drop your weapon. Because Thanks. that's like, like what? you know, because he's fumbling around. It's like this guy's like, lower your weapon. And you're like, wait, what? I don't understand. And then you like drop it and he just picks it up and leaves. <laughs> that's really funny to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I can totally imagine that like happening in, in the world. I, but I love that behavior in the game. Yeah, me that, too. That like, guys actually seek out things that are useful to yeah. them. Well, remember the time you, you sold a dude a weapon? Yeah. And as soon as you great. sold it, he just like immediately equipped it. He's like, yeah, this is better. Yeah. I'm just going to use this. It was awesome because he had like some shitty pistol and I was like, oh, I don't need this shotgun and sold it to him. And we exit like the vending screen and he just like, Oops, pulls out shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> oh, you don't cool. see that in games, but it totally makes sense. Right. Yeah. It felt yeah, really logical. Just disappearing into the store mechanic and not actually into that yeah. guy's inventory. But he's like, yeah. oh, this is a sweet shotgun. Yeah. I mean, if you sell a bunch of stuff to someone and then kill him, all that stuff will be on him. Like, yeah. it's his. Yeah. Wow. That makes me want that game to just have like two or three notable hats. <laughs> pass around the game. Right, so if you if you get a weird, be, you could, uh, if dude, you get, someone uh, could totally mod that. I mean, that would be a totally. It would be really amusing. Thing. Yeah, if you got yeah. if someone well, gave I mean, someone that's... just a really extreme yellow like ear flap hat, and then you just <laughs> that would just sort of trade throughout the oh, world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you give the you, you give that to the guy. He's like, oh man. Boop. Yeah. And then, uh, like, four hours later, you see just some fat dude walking around with his hat on. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That would be a totally doable mod. I would love to yeah. see that. Because I, I, don't, I don't know if those guys actually, if they actually simulate them trading with each other. No, but you but could they probably, probably could. hack that in. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the, there, there, was a, there was a sort of similar thing, not with, not with that chaining thing, but in Fallout 3 with your, like, squad members, you know? Like, they were just pack mules for you but they would use the best thing right. in their inventory so i have like you know they don't have any helmet or whatever and i give them like thomas jefferson's wig just to hold on to for me and i look back and they've just got a powdered wig on. <laughs> yeah that's all i have that's great video games are Keeps good my head warm <laughs> shut up um this will be jake's favorite email uh, Phil Guai writes to the Althoms podcast. Oh, classic! Great day, guys. Whatever. On a bizarre note, Jake, you look an awful lot like my favorite musician, Stan Rogers. At least you do in the photo in the Althoms episode fifty blog post. Uh, that's about it. So what so, he means is that guy looks like David Cage. Yeah, I don't know anything. I don't know if that's like complimentary or what. Like I just want bird. one more thing introduced that Jake apparently looks I like. I look and like everything apparently. Big Bird, uh, Max Headroom, uh, <laughs> David Cage, and video games. <laughs> Uh, he didn't send a comparison photograph no, like with David Cage? No, I don't know. The Link. Maybe uh, Come on, Phil. Well, if you, I don't if look you, like that guy. Yeah, if you're going to say that Jake looks like someone, at least yeah. send photographic I evidence. I mean, yeah. If, if that's the case, this will always be included in the blog, but otherwise I won't believe it. Um, okay. Shea Pierce writes, Cold War strategy game. In the Scoopshorn episode, you guys say that a strategy game about the Cold War would be sweet. <laughs> Uh, Chris Crawford made this game. It's Balance of Power, and if you haven't played it, I'm pretty sure there's a version around that's playable on modern Windows PCs. You should play it. It's very cool, and I'd like to hear your opinion on it. It's very different from most games. It's like playing a bunch of menus, which sounds boring, but it's actually quite engrossing. Love the cast. You guys are the ginkiest. Shay. That sound that you hear is Nick Brecken downloading that game. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I, I, I've definitely heard of that I've game. heard of that game mm -hmm. for sure. I just, I've never played it. I, I, I'm sort of slightly a little too late for a lot of the Chris Crawford stuff. The other thing that you guys could play um, is Shadow President. Mm -hmm. 
because it's a it, it also is uh i think that's what it's called it's a similar like you are essentially controlling all of the kind of stuff that's totally unacknowledged during the cold war um and trying to be successful you know but like you can just fail and end up with a nuclear war <laughs> right. uh you know because of all the stuff that normal people don't even know about that was happening during the cold war and shit just silently spiraling out of control and ending in catastrophe yeah yeah i think that stuff is a lot easy was a lot easier to make game mechanics out of when the games were essentially all text right like it's much harder to turn that into like units yeah, know, yeah or yeah. whatever yeah no, it, that's true that was an advantage in a sense those games had when it came to that kind of representation. Um, Aaron Meldrum, this is another call, Pripyat, sir, if you guys have the patience for that. Oh, yeah. Um, what is it? Another stalker story. Okay. Aaron Meldrum writes, Hey, the Addle Thumbs podcast. I've enjoyed your discussion about Call of Pripyat and find my reaction and impressions of the game are following a very similar arc to yours. But one thing I think that gets lost in a lot of discussions of the emergent gameplay mechanics are some really emergent, uh, interesting emergent storytelling instances. One good example happened as I was out looking for tools to upgrade my weapons. Ten or so hours into the game, I spotted a warehouse on the map that looked like it could be a good place to look, so I took off. As I trekked the distance over there and began to draw near, I noticed there were bodies everywhere. I hadn't remembered any recent emissions, so the only thing I could conclude was that there was some firefight that had left them there. Not knowing if anyone was left, I began to creep through the multitudes of crates as cover while I worked my way through the main building. Upon reaching the warehouse and looking inside, I realized something. This was the same place where I saved a guy from a bunch of bandits much earlier. It was pitch black when I busted him out before, so I was only able to recognize the place by the lights inside the warehouse. I then had a rapid series of thoughts going back from weird, I'm back here, to wow, I wonder how this all happened. And then I realized... There actually hadn't been a shootout since those last year. It was me that had killed all these people. I am the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> I looked down, there's blood on my hands. This was oddly affecting, making me feel both like a badass and also just an ass, because it was a lot of guys. What struck me as so interesting about it was the reason it managed to be such an effective plot twist for me was that it was the result of a bunch of random decisions I'd made and, uh, and founded my the circumstances I found myself in earlier. If I'd even had night vision when I had done the mission the first time, the experience would have ended up being completely different. It was an interesting experience that hit me in a rather different way than a lot of the more gameplay-centric mechanics that result from the systems. I thought it was a cool story, and I really enjoyed hearing other people's stories from the game, so I wanted to share. Glad you guys are back, and keep on casting your pods, Aaron, Marilyn. P.S. Yeah. I still didn't find any tools. <laughs> I, I, I love that story. That's like very good story. The, the thing, because, I mean, you can totally imagine how that would translate to, like, an actual film, you yeah. know, where it's like, there's some guy who's just, like, desperately fighting with, like, you know, a flashlight attached to his pistol or something, and just, like, you know, shooting at attackers that he doesn't really have you know like full, a full a idea full of how many on, people yeah, there exactly, are or what right, or right. what the outcome really he's, is he's being purely and, reactive yeah and then yeah. it's in the dark and it's just kind of silent and he's like i guess there's nobody else here leaves and then you know comes back in the daylight in the daylight or when the electricity is back on or whatever and it's just kind of like really like uh you know like unnerved by all of the destruction that he caused by surviving yeah you know and that's what happened to this player that's pretty awesome yeah yeah I also, it's also cool because I know the party's talking about, and I did it a totally different way. Huh. I just came in like the back. I like climbed over a fence and like went into, <laughs> went into this room where, well, that you can't so really climb a, a fence, but killer. I jumped on like boxes and then jumped, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a video game. And I, I went into, I, I went over this fence and I just went into the back room and like killed one guard outside and went into this room where this guy was and just like went out again. 
Uh, whereas this guy would just sort of blindly charged in through the front, just murdering everybody. Basically. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a cool, it's a really awesome thing. Yeah. Speaking of the emissions, I have a really cool small moment as yeah. well. That's just like attention to detail, but like we were saying, there are these emissions that are like radiation storms, uh, in the game that you have to hide from by going inside a building. And like the other AIs in the world also try to hide inside the buildings, like, you know, the bandits and stuff like that. Uh, but there are also other things that are AIs that aren't really intelligent that are in the world, you know? And one time I went inside, you know, an emission was coming. I went inside this abandoned factory, waited out the emission, and then I came back outside and I, I, I looked on the ground. I was like, what is that? And there were like just dead crows like lying on the ground outside of the 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 warehouse and i was like oh man the emission killed a flock of birds that you know had oh, no conscience of what yeah. was going on and they all just like fell out right outside wow. of my shelter you know and it's totally random but like really awesome detail that's hardcore yeah i've never seen anything like that happen that's whole, that's really amazing yeah we like this game well, I, well i'm going to play this video it's okay game. it's fine you like it it's an i do game. like it <laughs> Any other ones? You guys ones? do have an, un, as an outsider, you have an uncanny ability to make somebody who doesn't play everything want to play <laughs> this strange game. Yeah. Yeah. You guys did make me play Dawn of War 2, though, and I wasn't really into it. Well, I, I didn't. I mean, that's your fault. It was you and Nick. No, I, mean, <laughs> I still think it's a really no, good but, game. Well, I mean, but the thing about it is that, like, you and we and whatever are, I think, capable of making stuff that we are sort of into as a deep niche sound really attractive uh, but yes. if you're not actually into that kind of game you still might not might like not it like <laughs> well whatever i'm still gonna pretend every game is the best game um i think every game is best oh man casey well then no game is <laughs> casey kramer asks will any of you guys be attending pax east far cry 2 reference casey kramer oh. karner karner sorry what jake's uh, going to pax east. i think i'm going to pax east where, where does that take place? What city? Uh, east. Oh, oh, it takes place in the east. Mm, the far east. In the east. I see. The Orient. Well, yeah. that yeah. sounds like I a wonderful trip. Uh, I don't think anyone else in this room is going to it. I'm not sure. I don't think I am, no. I know that I'm not. I also am not. If not you want to meet Jake Video Games Rodkin, go to PAX East. You'll have to find me at PAX. <laughs> Look, Look for, for the guy, guy that looks, looks like, like David Cage. <laughs> Big Bird. Max Headroom. And that God, other guy, that musician guy. <laughs> and Jake Rodkin. Oh. No, I don't think he looks. Oh, no, no I, he looks nothing like Jake Rodkin. Yeah, it's weird. Next. He also looks nothing like Jackie Rodkins. But. That is true. Uh, it, that doesn't look like him. No. Which is probably for the best. Uh, that Lenny, bot named Scoops does look like me, though. <laughs> it's really good that there's a bot named Scoops. Yeah. A bot named Scoops. Also, that's my favorite. And also, that was a really cool... Movie. I mean, this is... Sorry. No, but that no. was cool. The the being then bots getting named with that uh that gene tonic. Yeah. Yeah. One Big of fan. our one of our programmers just kinda like thought that it was a it was a cool it was a it was an idea that had just been kicked around like much earlier and he was like, Oh yeah, we could totally do that and we it, the feature just kind of appeared one day and we we're like, That's the best thing. It's and, weird. It, and then the designers got to go in and just edit a text file to put a bunch of stupid names. I actually <laughs> got so much more attached fun. to my bots in Bioshock two than I did in Bioshock one for some reason and just and so then, and then I didn't equip that tonic until way later. Oh yeah. So, and then I was even more attached to them, and like it was like I had this like little family of pets. Well, that's that, how you played Bioshock One too, isn't it? You just you got a bunch of of drones following you around, and then yeah, it felt you, very you powerful. That you just had an army of robots following you through the game. Yeah, but that, often that felt more like this is I, my I army of robots, well, and sure, like yeah. in Bioshock Two, I felt like these are my buddies, 
it was very strange. I, I, so, and I it's love... funny just giving them names actually kicked it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and and we, I mean, there are additional tonics that like let you, you know, summon well, them. Well, yeah, there was the summoning, mm-hmm. and there was upgrading it, so you summon more powerful bots, and there were tonics to make the bots mm-hmm. more you know uh have more hit points so they wouldn't be destroyed so easily and yeah i maxed out all that stuff i was all about yeah. that i mean i'm i'm totally a controller kind of player so i loved having hypnotize and security command two or three and just always having like a hypnotize splicer and two bots i never used hypnotize i forgot about you it you should yeah yeah if it, I go you, back, you would I like hypnotize because oh, i mean the third level of it is is hypnotize big daddy from bioshock one right and the first level is enraged from bioshock one but the mid level is you charge it up and then you can just hypnotize any splicer in the game. So you can have like a teleporter splicer following you around oh, crazy. and he's just your buddy. Wow. And if a is guy gets pissed off dies? at you, you will throw, he'll throw fireballs at it. Um, it, it has a, it has a lifespan. It but times out after it, like, I don't know how long it is. When but it, it times like out, does he just really, does he turn on you? He, he has a specific bark that is breaking out of it. And then, yeah, he gets mad. Oh, okay, cool. I, so. I, I literally never did it, but oh, I, really? Yeah, I, I like it a lot, but I mean, I, I knew about it. it. I, I I was in the new, unique position to know it existed and that it was cool, so of course I used it. But the main thing to do was like hypnotize a guy, have him follow you around until there's nobody around, and you feel like he might go aggro, and then just shotgun him and in the just back like, of the head. Yeah. <laughs> and just uh, give him some like the mice and men treatment. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, it's terrible. I mean, I, on the other hand, I guess you could just hypnotize him again, and it would refresh it. I really but. enjoyed hypnotizing big daddies in the first game, but it scared the fuck out of me because they moved so goddamn fast. And yeah. you come around a corner and then just boom, 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 boom. and then just like this yeah. sort of happy dog is there, but yeah. you know that like at any second he could just drill your face. Except, yeah. oh, I mean, the the thing is that, that with the big death. daddies, uh, you didn't really have that that problem because I know, but I didn't th- they know just go back first. to being neutral, you know. Whereas with splicers, they will get mad at you when well, they the, when it wears off. The one time that that wore off was in the middle of a firefight. Oh, friendly fire! Oh, and you just and he, 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 just, he took a ricochet he, yeah, off he the head and calmed down, and then boom! I just popped him in the head, and he turned and just oh, chased. Oh man! No, my friend! No! Oh, oh god! And then my face was drilled, and it was the worst. <laughs> well, but if you if and you I shoot a, the podcast, if you shoot a hypnotized big daddy while they're friendly to you, they will also get pissed off. Oh really? Well, I mean, I past a certain threshold, you can't just hypnotize them and then maybe I was just them, but... just firing bullets at this guy. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, pretty good video game. Any sorry. more reader mail? Yeah, didn't mean uh, to do a reader mail though. This it's guy, totally fine. This guy has reader a f- mail spends a lot of time being derailed generally. Yeah, that's, which is all that's right. how it works. Um, this guy has a Fallout Three story, I guess, inspired by stalker stories. So, <laughs> Scott writes Fallout Three based on stalker. Call of yeah. No one actually asks questions anymore. A novel People by just Sapphire. Send, uh, anecdotes. Yeah, yeah just an anecdote theater. Yeah, no, it's totally true. Actually, sometimes they do ask questions, and I don't read them because they're not that interesting. But. <laughs> Wow. Thanks, right. readers. Well, people send a lot of other interesting stuff. All right. So, um, Scott writes, scary game moments. While this doesn't have the same fear factor that, that uh, Rima had some of his stalker stories, I did recently have a very panic-inducing moment in Fallout 3. I'm quite behind on the times, but I'm slowly and methodically making my way through the game I was playing last night. I just come across the uh, come across the raider camp at Evergreen Mills and picked off all the raiders. There's a super, super mutant behemoth in that camp captured in an enclosed electrical fence area. Being a lower level, I was still pretty freaked out by any kind of high-level monster. I shot at him with a few random weapons, then decided to start tossing grenades at him so I could get the XP for killing him. Unfortunately, my very first grenade throw rolled down a slight incline, incline and right back into the generator that was holding him in. That explosion blew up the generator and the fence became unelectrified. At uh, which point, the super mutant immediately burst from his enclosure and charged me. I had no time to react and basically screamed aloud in panic terror and started to run away from him. 
He chased me and promptly killed me, which was made worse because I hadn't saved the entire time. I took out the raider camp and thus had to redo the entire campfight uh, with 10 or so raiders. Fall 3 is extremely good at creating spooky, evocative settings, and I'm usually pretty panicky when I explore buildings, too. First time I saw a glowing or radioactive ghoul, ghoul I also had a similar panic-inducing situation. Your friend in time, Scott Soggy Bagel. P.S. Obligatory wizard shout-out. That's for Steve. <laughs> Chris is just adding additional ones. Yeah, them. right. <laughs> also, horseback trying. Yeah, horseback is fine. Really, you're just totally arbitrary. Then, well, horseback is just a good word. Oh, okay. Well, that's all. Yeah. I, I just have nothing against horseback. That's all. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, that's a good story. Yeah, it's another one that kind of feels like it could have been a quick scene from a movie. Where it's like, yeah, where it's <laughs> just a grenade like slowly. Like, oh, oh shit! <laughs> it does a shoulder roll. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, nice. And he's definitely right about Fallout 3 being really good at making you feel creeped out and oppressed when, yeah. like, exploring a building. The uh, the fucking Germantown police station is the most, just like, uh, just it, it most kind of, like, repulsive. You don't want to be in there. It, it's There's some good atmosphere in that game. It's true. And it should be played by all. Yeah. Car horns. Scoop's Thanks. horn. The scoop's horn, just a little, you know. Just a little hang. Cool. Well, there's probably some more mail, but that was a lot of mail. So <laughs> it was an appropriate amount of mail. Yeah. You're right. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Video games. I never need anything. Famous will help you out. Game. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite name. It is. It's the best. It's yeah, been good having you on, Famous. It's fun. Hey, thanks, thanks for having famous. me, guys. It's been really nice. Talking about video games. Yeah, that's what we did, actually. I guess it is. Yeah, thank you. Hmm. We'll be back someday with another episode, probably. <laughs> you say bye, Merrick. Yeah. Questions at Alphamstein. Questions at Alphamstein. See you, Merrick. Questions at Alphamstein. Bye-bye. I'm going to sleep forever now. Or you can go to our forums way. at idlethumbs.net slash forums. Yes. If you have a question or a story about video games, but really a question. <laughs> yeah, you can actually send us questions, but make it good. <laughs> no pressure also you might have sent in a good question and we just didn't get to it yet or you could have sent in a shitty question and I deliberately didn't read it so it's up to you <laughs> oh, wow. to, to just be self aware no, there are probably, there probably of... were some good questions in there we just didn't have we just didn't get to but there definitely were some shitty questions in there that you didn't want to read wow <laughs> I'm sure That's all the questions were everyone great. wrote great questions there's no all such right. thing as a shitty question just okay. a shitty reader. Just shitty people. Writing it. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to be subject to this abuse, please email questions at idlethumbs.net. Uh, we would like to make a statement. Idle Thumbs uh, would like to just state that they were very tired and uh, after GDC and maybe do not mean everything that they said just now when they called you all a bunch of fucking assholes. <laughs> I didn't oh, send in stupid shit. Say bye, Merrick. God, this episode is Bye, over. Mary. I bet we're working. I bet cumulatively we're working on Guys. like less than twenty hours of sleep. Yeah, on, I know. And over the past man hours, hours. like Adam, sleep long. hours. I, I've had seven. Yes, two nights. Yeah, Thanks, I guess guys. that. I guess that ended at some point. Just faded out. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I have to fucking video game sleep for a day. Sunday is a good day for that. I'm gonna sleep. I'm gonna be like. The, I'm gonna be the like the Lord tomorrow. Walk away. <laughs> Say bye, Merrick. Bye. Merrick. Yeah, why are you here? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm listening to your podcast. Yeah, but you're bored by it. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you hate it every second of it. <laughs>
That'll be the fucking theme. <laughs> All of us whistling it. <laughs> what? God damn it. This is retarded. Oh, 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 oh. Nope. Nope. Nothing oh, is in my game. What are you doing? Your voice is terrible. Apparently, it's <laughs> Steve is an alien. <laughs> we play that backwards. And Kojic. It's just like play deadly premonition. What? It's play deadly premonition. Oh shit! The entirety of their marketing campaign. GDC podcasts are for some reason called conf grenades. I really like. It's because it's a conf grenade from TF one, I guess. TFC, TF classic. It's a concussion grenade. Yeah. And the PAX episodes are standalone expansion packs. Yeah. Worst. Oh, like PAX. I guess. Yeah. Terrible. That's good. Oh man. There, it's 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 just to make people both laugh and cry when they see their RSS feed show up and just go. No, it's great. I love them. I know they're hilarious. It's it's. It makes me wish there was a third convention. I guess we could do one for E3. Well, I mean, but it would just be the E3 suicide pact, basically. Well, I mean, the like it's it's the only time that you guys devolve into the standard like naming convention for video game websites or video game podcasts, which is like. Spawn point or something. You know, like, <laughs> right, right, right. Voice chat. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Online chat. With multiplayer lobby. Multiplayer lobby. Split screen. I mean, yeah, split screen. That would definitely be, be one. Yeah, and that would have a slash between. Oh, that split reminds and me screen. of a, a fake indie Obviously. game. Oh yeah, two yeah. D dreams. Two D dreams. Yeah, two D dreams. Um, 2D, as in 2D boy. Oh, not like all the dreams in a time. No, it was our, no. It was our not executed plan to <laughs> oh. start the fake IGF entries hashtag on Twitter. We, that started uh, what, Friday morning, and then yeah. we never, no, we never, we never, never we, consumated or made that up. thing. Done it. You love the word consummate. I love consummate, actually. Oh. So. 2D consummate. All of the consomme, oh, please. Consomme. We have Sean Tutti Consomme Vanity. <laughs> yeah, Tutti Consomme. Famous, famous Tutti Consomme. Tutti consomme. It's, it's, well, it sounds like somebody from like South Africa. Yeah. yeah it sounds like a guy who won yeah. the Boston Marathon, yeah. What? I don't know, like those African dudes who run real Oh, far. oh, from Kenyan who always show up and like, yeah. Tutti Consomme. Tutti Consomme. Won it in 2006 <laughs> and 7. <laughs> God, that feels so good on my lips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we just can we cut that part out and just loop forever? <laughs> this feels so good on my lips. Lips, 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 lips. It feels so serious. It segues into his like backwards thing. Me saying it feels good on my lips. Somehow Phaedrus once said backwards. Let's just release this. Yeah, this, is, this is good. Let's yeah. just release this what we got. This is what this the people want. Fucking in the can. See you guys.